Apostle Mrs. Leanne Kofi, the founder and general overseer of the Lord's Garden Ministries, a ministry which is focused on bringing back the glory of God into the lives of people who have been battered by the world. She's a healing apostle and ministers powerfully to break people free from demonic oppressions. We believe you'll be blessed as you listen to today's word. Now, today's word. Praise the Lord. This morning, it's a good morning, and um, I have been praying about this morning, especially today, being the last day of our seven days prayer and fasting, winning battles, winning battles. I think we began the whole fasting time by bringing an understanding that life is full of battles, whether you go and um, invite the battle or not, there will be battles. Why? Because in life, the word of God itself talks to us about an adversary who is adverse to everything good that the Lord has made and would like to do in our lives. But we also brought to your attention the fact that despite the roaring and the things that the enemy will do, we stand in every warfare in life fighting from the position of victory. You didn't clap your hands. That's a, it's a good thing to clap about. Can you imagine if you had to stand on the same level with the enemy fighting? No, but we are standing, you know, in the position of victory. Amen. So this whole week we've been talking about battles, praying to different areas of battles, and really, I think by this time, the devil and his cohorts are battered and bruised. Some of the prayers have been intense. As I said, it was an intensive prayer and fasting. But as I was praying, you know, about this morning's word, I was, you know, believing I have another AK-47 to shoot him down. <laughs> I have a war with the enemy. <laughs> but God drew my attention to something, and that is what I want to minister to you this morning by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what came to my heart to tell you is that listen to this word good. Listen to this word and take it in. Because there are certain messages that are, you know, so important for life. Because if you have victory in life, not only in 2020, but for the rest of your life as a Christian, this is a point that you cannot afford to miss. Amen. These days, we see so many things happening, especially people dying, young people gone too soon. Um, what a shock, and all those kind of things. Because the expectation that we have is that we all grow old and be full of years before we are called home to our maker. Because we see in the Bible that everyone that walked with God you know, died at a good old age. Abraham, you name them. David, they, they were full of years. They were gathered unto their ancestors at a full age. And so what is happening in the world? And apart from that, there's so many things, so many challenges. And you wonder what is happening. Even in the body of Christ, there's so much struggle. And you wonder what is happening. And the Lord ministered to my heart to minister a word to you this morning, which I've titled, The Doors of Defeat. The doors of defeat. Amen. Oh, you, you don't want to clap because you heard the word defeat. But clap your hands because it's all part of it. Amen. 
Thank you, Lord. We've been talking about winning battles. That is the battles we face in life. And every battle ends in two ways. Either in defeat or in victory. Somebody is a conqueror. The other person is the defeated one. But the good news is that God has not called us unto defeat, but unto victory. Amen. And his word empowers us. It empowers us, gives us knowledge, gives us understanding. And apart from the knowledge and understanding the word of God gives to us, because the word is spirit, it enters into our spirit and strengthens us spiritually. Amen. So we are able to face the opponent and win. Amen. The word of God in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, Paul speaking, he says that he has spoken about different relationships and how they ought to be ordered. Relationships with family, relationship in marriages, relationship between children and parents, servants and masters. Then he says, finally, finally, that means that this is a very important point. Don't miss it. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, that's because of that, take unto you or put upon yourself the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins get about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preach of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked, and take on the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. And pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. Amen. So the Spirit of God inspires the Apostle Paul to let us know how we can stand against the workings of the enemy and win battles. And he's talking about an armor that is not a physical armor, like the armor that Saul, King Saul, tried to give to David to go and fight in, or the armor that Goliath wore. But he talks about a spiritual armor. Why? Because the Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Because we are not warring after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so the weapons that God has given to us are not physical weapons, but they are spiritual weapons which are mighty, which are powerful, with the ability to pull down every stronghold. Amen. So Paul is talking about a spiritual armor that we must put on. But he brings it you know, into picture by describing it in the form of a physical armor. So he says that first of all, get your loins with truth, the belt of truth. You know, especially men, when you dress up, you need to put on your belt or your braces. But these days, you can't find braces. Most people put on belt because the belt holds the top and the bottom together without your belt. Another story. So put on the belt, but it's a belt of truth. So let truth be that which holds you, which undergirds you, which holds your life together. Truth. Truth as in the word of God. Truth as in living in truth and speaking and doing the truth. Amen. Then he says, and then put on the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate in an armor is that which covers the chest area. A metal plate that covers the chest area so that when arrows are thrown, 
it will not enter into the heart of um, the person wearing it. Today we might describe it as um, a bulletproof jacket. All right. So he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness, walking, living in the righteousness that Jesus has purchased for us. Righteousness means have a right standing before God. Having a right standing before God. None of us is righteous. Amen. It is only Jesus who has become our righteousness. But then we have been called unto holiness. And holiness and righteousness merge together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then he says, then put on your feet the shoes, the pressure of the gospel of peace. Take on the shield of faith so that when the enemy throws arrows, be able to block it. And put on the helmet of salvation. Let your head, your mind be covered. Amen. Have knowledge of the will and the word of God for your life. And then the sword of the spirit is the word of God. The word of God is sharp. Bible says sharper than any two-edged sword. Use the word of God to fight your battles. I don't know where I preached this, but somewhere, somewhere, somewhere yesterday or yesterday, I talked about the, the, the word of God being as an instrument in our hands by which we overcome the enemy. Yes, I think I was talking about Jesus' temptation and how he won that battle by the word of God. It is written. Okay, So we are given a, a clear picture as to how we should arm ourselves, you know, put on an armor so that we will win in every battle. Amen. So, so that we'll be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. After your battle when the evil day comes upon you you must be found standing. You must not faint or fall. You must not die in the battle. You will not die in the battle. I am speaking to somebody this morning. You will not die in the battle of life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So having done all, stand. So after the battle is over, you must be, you must be found standing. That means you must be found the winner. And even if you are not the winner, you are still strong enough to fight again. Amen. Because life is full of battles. We also have the assurance of God's protection. Amen. In the battles of life. Praise the Lord. God's word assures us that he is the one who created both the blacksmith who makes the instrument and he is the one who created the one who blows into the coals of fire to forge the instrument. And when a blacksmith is forging an instrument in fire, they blow. They use either a blow or something. So he's the one who created the blacksmith, the one who blows, the one who's forming the instrument. And he's the one who also created the waster, the, the, the person who's going to use the instrument to destroy and he says, and he's the one who's also saying that there's no weapon formed against your life that will prosper. Amen. So he created the one who's making the weapon, the one who used the weapon, and he's saying the weapon won't work. Are you understanding me? Ha, that's what that word means. Oh, he said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You have to go up, and then you understand. He said, behold, I've created the smith that blows in the course of fire, that brings forth an instrument for his work, and I've created the waster to destroy no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So we have that assurance of God that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And he says, because of that, our children shall be taught of the Lord. Great will be the peace of our children. We shall be established. We shall be far from oppression. We will be far from terror. We will not fear because it will not come near us. He says, surely they will gather together against you, but not by me. I am not in their gathering. Therefore, whosoever shall gather together against you shall fall for your sake. These are assurances of God that we will win in the battles of life. Do I have a church in this house this morning? Do I have a winning church? Then give the Lord a mighty celebratory clap offering. 
God also assures us of his divine protection and his divine preservation. My favorite is Psalm 91, amen, in which God tells us as we dwell in him in his secret place, he, he covers us, he protects us, he delivers us from arrows, from every kind of terror. He protects our lives. He, he satisfies us with long life. He shows us his salvation. There's nothing that will come against us that will be able to prevail over us. It's, it's a psalm or it's a word of God's divine protection and preservation. Amen. So if we put these three things, there's more, but for time. We, we see that indeed God has empowered us for victory in life. Amen. If he's in charge of the one who's going to use our weapons to destroy you, and he says that it won't work. If he's the one who's armored you, amen, and you are fit and you know, ready to stand against any onslaught of the enemy. If he's the same person who is hiding you in his secret place, in his presence, so that the enemy cannot find you, then you are covered. Or you are, you are covered, you are set. There's no battle that will come against you that you will lose. That is what it is. We are empowered to win the battles of life. But how is it that we wage certain warfare and we lose? Why do we face defeat in battles? And that is what I really want to talk to you this morning about. That is the, 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 the core of the message. This one was just a crust to make it nice for you to understand. But the core of the message is this. We face defeat in battles because... You know, there are many things we could say, but when I put them all together, and the Spirit of God made me to understand, it borders or it boils down to disobedience. We face defeat in battles because of disobedience, not obeying. And you take the word obedience, and you realize that it fits in every area of your life. Last week I was talking to somebody, and I said to her that, I discovered this thing when I was in London on treatment. I discovered that so long as I obeyed the instruction, Leanne, be here at five. I'm there at five. Leanne, go for test. I go. Leanne, do this. I do. And they said, Leanne, you are an amazing patient. I said, really? He said, because you are very compliant. And I wondered. Then I realized that there were certain patients, when they tell them, be there at nine, they won't come. They'll come maybe at one. And when they come, they'll pick a fight with the staff. There are patients who come and they give them the medication. They won't take it. And then the whole process of their recovery is set back. And I realized that all I had to do was to trust the, my caregivers and just obey. That's it. And it works. And then I was telling the person last week that, and I realized then that it works in every area of your life whether in your finances, your marriage, with your children, so long as you are walking in obedience. In obedience to what? Is it the well system? No, it is a word. So long as you be obedient to what the word of God says, without knowing more than the word, without knowing more than God, you are right. Because sometimes we think we know more than God. There have been many times in my life I felt I knew more than God. I don't know about you. Maybe you are more righteous. But you see, when we walk in disobedience to anything that God has said in his word, even to the minutest thing, you will lose in your battle. Hands down, you will lose. You will lose. 
Because whatever you are doing that is against the will and the word of God, God is not in it with you. And if God is not in it, because God will not stand in the congregation of the unrighteous. Neither will God stand with you in your disobedience. When you are busy disobeying God, God is not in it with you. And some of us pray prayers that ask for the permissive will of God. Oh God, this one, dear, we are the dear Ghanaians. This one, dear, only, only the last time. God will say, oh, go ahead, the last time. He, he's silent. And you take his silence for consent. And you go ahead. He's watching you. Maybe in that minute, there's nothing. Don't think it's over. It will come back to bite you. Some way, somehow, it will come back to bite you. Because that's what we call willful disobedience. Deliberate disobedience. Amen. When we disobey God, we will lose in the battles of life. And the sad part of this thing is that disobedience in one way will connect you to another, another way. Are you, are you understanding me? For instance, let me give you an example. Maybe you're a Christian and you decide that as for you, you love appeal. Bites. So, now God has to excuse you. After all, he knows that. Bear my dear, I'll say, what do I share? And Abbas, Abbas, I'll say, so you have your thoughts and your thoughts, and your thoughts become glassful and glassful because the, the more you take, the more you, the desire comes. And then you become immune, more, more or less, to the amounts, the quantities. So you are increasing. You are increasing. You are increasing. What did you say? You know? Uh-huh. You are increasing. You are increasing it. And this thing I'm talking about, apply to anything in your life. Not only that, you apply to anything you do that is wrong. You start on the little plane, just a bite. Could be your chocolate craving, just a bite. Before you know, you are eating a box all by yourself. Anything, you apply to anything. Then that thing, that disobedience becomes a health problem. You get a liver problem. And then you are sick. And then you die. Now who calls her? This one is not the witch in your family. No, 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 no. It's not your grandmother whose teeth are out so she looks strange. So you say, it's a witch. It's you. Some of us are the very devils in our own lives because of disobedience. Mm, Mecca. Thou shalt carry much seed to the field. You are very quiet this morning. And shall gather but little in, for the locusts shall consume it. Thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them. But you not drink of the wine, nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. You shall beget sons and daughters, but you will not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. He shall lend thee, and you, thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head, that's your enemy, and you will be the tail. Instead of you say, I'm the head and not the tail. This time you say, I'm the tail. The enemy is the head. Moreover, all these cases shall come upon thee and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not listen unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandment and his statutes which he commanded thee. So because you serve not the Lord your God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in want of all things. I will stop there for time. It is, it is terrible. It is terrible. And don't tell me this is Old Testament. Because you see, the problem we have right now is that people, 
misunderstand. I don't think they, but then they like to misunderstand the subject of grace. That grace gives them the permission to sin. Read my lips. Grace does not give you the permission to sin. Grace gives you the strength to overcome sin. Okay? It's the enabling power of God. Grace is not an occasion to sin. I told you one time, a lady came to my office, came to tell me what she was doing, which was terrible. She's not in this church, by the way. Not here. They are good people. And, 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 and when she finished, I said, so into one cast, I said, I'll catch him. How do you feel about it? So, mom, you know, the grace is available for me. And she said she was a Bible school student somewhere. Has a boyfriend, is married. I mean, I said, what are, what are you learning in the Bible school? And this was a reputable Bible school. But she had decided that the grace of God, Katanoso, she can sin, she can do anything. And the thing she was telling me, I was even sure that she was sitting in front of me. You don't know me, that was her first visit. But you see, this is the deception of the enemy. If it feels good, do it. God will understand. No. No. The goodness of God, Bible says, rather leads us unto repentance, not unto sin. Praise the Lord. When you walk in disobedience to the word of God in any area of your life, beloved, what you are doing is that you are breaking the hedge that is around you. God has built a hedge around every believer. And that's what the, the, Satan said to God when he was talking about Job. He said, have you not built a hedge around him? I mean, you've, you've surrounded him, you've covered his life, so he's protected, that's why he's not, you know, cursing, he's doing well. But you give room, break the hedge and see. But in this word, in Ecclesiastes 10, 8, the Bible says that anyone that digs a pit will fall into it. And sin is a bottomless pit. When we sin, it's a bottomless pit. Like when you tell one lie. Have you ever realized that when you tell one lie, you have to tell another lie to, to make it kind of jar? That it won't jar and chick. So you have to tell another one. And I was say, do not tell lies. <laughs> what I'm about to say. Like, you know, when you are in a room without windows. <laughs> I said, don't tell lies. <laughs> Which are like a, a, a room without windows. Because in case of any problem, you can't fly out of any window. Only one door. But we lie. Some of us lie with impunity. We lie. I mean, it is normal to lie. And we've, we human beings have decided that some lies are white, some lies are black. I don't know where we got that from. Oh, a little white lie. All lie be lie. I said, all lie be lie. Every lie is a lie. Amen. And all sin be sin. There's no sin greater than the other one. Sin is sin. So as for this one, I know just a little white lie here and there, a crabby. No, 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 no. It's the same as murder. Because you see, that little white lie you call it, if anything happens and you need to get out of it, you find people have killed people because they, they started by telling one lie. And that lie progressed to different happenings, and before they knew it, they had committed murder. You know? So all lie be lie. So anyone that digs a pit shall fall into sin is a bottomless pit. And whoso breaketh an hedge, 
a serpent shall bite him. Amen. Anybody who breaks the hedge that God has formed around you, the serpent will bite you. You'll be bit. The serpent will bite you because you are not covered. Anytime you are in sin, listen to me and listen to me good. Anytime you decide you want to sin, eh, you can sin, but note that there, there is a gap, there's room for the enemy to come in, bite you, and destroy you. And some of the consequences of our sin, some of the things that will happen, they, they are so dear. You will lose something that is so precious to you. You'll be shocked. I told somebody the other day that I've seen that in marriages where husband and wife are fighting and you know there's no peace in the house and they are always at each other at the verge of divorce, I've seen about five cases where they lost a child. Yeah. Child will die. Why? Because you have opened the door to the enemy to come into your house. There's confusion, there's strife, there's anger, there's hatred, there's malice. Every evil thing is working in the house. So it's a field, an open field for the devil to play. And when the enemy comes into the house, the, 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 the lightest souls, poor child, people have, so whenever you and your wife are at each other, you go and cheat, or she goes to cheat, and you are fighting, you are doing wrong things. Remember, it will cost you more than you think. Don't think you're getting away with it. It can cost you. I've seen it five times. That's what I have seen. Of I've seen, witness, five children from five different families. A few of them were able to reconcile and move on. Some just went their different ways. But you can never replace that child. Was it worth it? Ten minutes of so-called pleasure. Was it worth it, church? Sin may seem sweet, but it is not worth the cost. I'm talking to you about winning battles. And, you know, I'm your pastor. If I do not tell you the truth and teach you the right thing, when I stand before God, I'm going to give an account of every one of you. What did you do with this one? And then I'll be going like this. No, 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 no. I want to have a clear conscience. I want to have clean hands. I want to say, Lord, I told them on the, today's what, is it ninth? Ninth, eh? Ninth of February, 2020. I, I told them. And then he'll say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. You took care, good care of my sheep. Sit down. Otherwise, your sin becomes my sin. That's what the word of God says in the book of the prophet Ezekiel. That if you see a man in sin and you go and you tell the person they are sin to stop and they obey, they are saved. If they don't obey, you're, you are free of their blood. But if you see a man in sin and you don't go and tell them and they die in their sin, their sin and their blood is upon your hands. Amen. Anyone that breaks the hedge the serpent will bite. You are stealing from the office. You are stealing. Con- with your connection left and right. The serpent will bite you. And when the serpent bites you, that is nobody's fault. It's not your mother. And most of us Christians, we like to you know, put the blame on somebody, the person next to you, the person, oh, if, if they, they, he didn't do that, I, I wouldn't have done that. If she didn't do that, oh, it's my mother, it's my grandmother. 
Listen, it's you. It's you. Because temptation, when it comes, it comes as a desire. And when you take it and you nurse it, then you do it. So temptation will come, yes? Nothing wrong with temptation coming. We are all tempted to do anything and this and that once a while or sometime or maybe for somebody all the time. Could be in the area of food, anything. But temptation is not a sin. But yielding to the temptation is a sin. And it is you who receives the temptation, gives it a chair in your heart and then begins to grow until you are consumed by it and you might just satisfy this desire. And then you have the problem. If you break the hedge, a serpent will bite. The book of Joshua chapter 7 talks about a time when the Bible said the children of Israel committed a trespass in an accursed thing. What was it? They went to battle and then God said to them that they should not bring anything, any, nothing from the people whom they had gone to conquer. They were cursed people. But a man called Achan, and he saw a beautiful um, thing, and he said, ah, this one, I'll keep it. So he took it and went back to the camp with it. The next time they went to battle, they were beaten. They were beaten. And this battle that they went to was the battle of Ai. You know, Joshua sent spies, and the spies came and said, oh, it's just a small nation, small people. Just a few of us can just go and finish them. So don't bother sending the whole army. He said, there are but a few. So they went up, just 3,000 men to go and fight. But then the men of Ai defeated them, and they fled before them. They chased them. And, they, and the men of Ai smote them, about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate, even to Shibarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, for the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua was distraught. So he rent his clothes. Because God always goes ahead of them in every battle. And they had been able to beat nations stronger. They had conquered Jericho. I mean, they, they were strong people, not by their size or by their strength, but by their God with them. So he was distraught. What, what happened? And he went to the Lord. He said, Alas, O oh Lord, why have you brought this unto us? Why did you not defend us? Why have you delivered us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Why? He said, I wish that we had been content and stayed at the other side of the Jordan. Now look at him too, a leader. <clears throat> and he said, how can it be that Israel should turn their backs to their enemies, that their enemies should be pursuing them? It shouldn't happen. And then God let him know that there is a lacquer thing in the camp. That is why. There's something in the camp. And that is why they could not stand before their enemies. Listen, when you entertain certain things in your life, listen, you will run before the enemy. It, it, it is, it, it's a spiritual law and principle. That is it. And so they were beaten in that battle of Ah, not because of anything, but because their God don't go with them. And God said, because there is an accursed thing in the camp. So he said that you find out who is responsible. So they brought out the tribes and the men and decided doing illumination. They had their way. Finally, the thing lands on Achan. And Joshua said, Achan, this thing has landed on you. He said, listen, just say the truth. Glorify God and say the truth. So he 
he said the truth and he said that he had taken silver and a garment and a wedge of gold from the camp of the people that they went to fight against. Joshua said, hey, so you want to trouble Israel, you alone, want to trouble the whole nation. No, we'll allow it. It should not be allowed. So what they do, they took him, his wife, his children, his whole family, took the accursed things he had stolen, put them on them, and they burned them. They stoned them with fire, and then they burned them alive. And they raised a great, great heap of stone on them so that it would be a memorial to all. One mistake cost the nation. Achan's mistake caused his family. Let, I want to read it to you so you don't think I'm... Said, and they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them before the Lord. Okay? And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, and the word of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen. Even his oxen had a problem. His asses, his sheep, his tent, and all he had. That means nothing that Achan had was permitted in the camp. Even his cattle. And that is why your finances are going down. <laughs> because your finances are affected. Your children are affected. Your life is affected. Your everything went down that day. They burned them and they raised a heap of stones. As a remembrance, we learn from other people's mistakes. Or we should learn from other people's mistakes. God forbid that it will be our mistake that others will learn from. And the thing you have to know is that God sees and knows everything. There's nothing that you are thinking. There's nothing that you are planning. There's nothing that you have done in secret that God doesn't know. Men may not know, but God knows. And your sin is not against man, it's against God, who has given his law and his word. Are we together this morning? You are so deadly quiet. Amen, but I don't, I don't really mind, you know. I don't really mind. I'm preaching. Mm -hmm. You should not be the example by which people point and say, remember what happened. No, 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 no. And sometimes, you know, when things happen like this, when God has released his judgment like this, we, we will see it as other, other people's fault. But have you ever sat down to think, where or what is my part in this. It's very important. Battles are lost first in yourself. In the same way that battles are won before you go to the battlefield. Because nobody goes to the battlefield without first of all considering his weapons and his preparation. Flight Lieutenant is here. He'll bear witness. Hello. No, thank you. You don't go to battle without considering what you have, your men, their fitness, your, your, your weapons, the strategy by which you are going to the battle, your supplies, plan A, plan B. You, you put it together. Me and my father is a German, so I know. You put these things together. So when you go to the battle, you don't go with a mind to lose. You're going with a mind to win. But if you're going to battle and you recognize that mm, something is not right, fix it. You are battling against something in your life right now. Sit down. Look into your life and fix it. Then you can have the victory. Amen. Battles are lost because of disobedience. 
Why don't we try a little obedience from today? Why don't you, 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 you start from one thing? That from today, I'll begin to obey in this area, in that area, and see the change that comes into your life. Even in relationships. In relationships. Common, even relationship with your children. Your children are growing. But you see, they are learning not from what you are saying. They are learning from your example. And so why don't you change something and see how they also react? In every area of your life, you know, just try a little obedience to the word of God. Not obedience to your desires. Obedience to your will. Battles are lost when the doors of defeat are open. The enemies cannot open your doors to defeat. We open the doors. Amen. And when we open the door, the enemy comes in. And then we'll lash you. Amen. We'll lash you. Put your house together, church. This seven-day prayer and fasting, I don't think it was a joyful time of being hungry. We did not go on a hunger strike. We fasted and we prayed before God because we want to receive that which it, it, it takes to win in the battles of life, to overcome in life. And nobody in this house can tell me we don't have any issue. We all have issues. The woman with the issue of blood, she had the issue of blood. You may have an issue of the pocket. Somebody will have an issue of something. We all have issues. How are you going to win in that issue? Let it begin from the place where you sorted out yourself first. Then you can go to battle. People who always go, and I bind the devil. And we pass it, we are part of it. We say, come on, bind the devil. Come on, bind. And bind. And you also, and the devil is like, this girl is a joke. This boy is a joke. Why are you binding? Bind yourself first. Before you can come and buy me. Oh, those of you who are clapping, thank you. Why? Encourage me small. Encourage me a bit. Did I ever tell you about some, a group of people who were in a prayer and a fast like what? You know, and when we fast like this, you know something? It's a collective fast. This is a divine agreement. Jonathan, the son of David, were going to battle and they were in a fast. He saw some honey dripping from a honeycomb. The other men of war saw it and they passed by. Because he was a son of the king, I'm sorry, he thought he had a, a you know, diplomatic immunity. So he took a stick, a rod, and just pressed and then licked it. They were also beaten in battle. And when it was found, it was Jonathan who went to lick some honey, just a lick. So he said, We are fasting. And you won't fast. You know, be truthful. If you, in the fast, you say, Okay, I'm fasting for special reasons. And you know, it's really special reasons. Not. There's, there are certain times when maybe you need to, you know, excuse yourself. And we even have it written in the stipulation. But as for you, you said the whole church is fasting. I will not fast a day. And you are at home. What you are doing is that you have become a covenant breaker. If you were a covenant breaker in these seven days of fasting, repent. You need to pray and say, God, forgive me. Aha, uh -huh, good. You know, so what I'm saying is that lack of obedience in any area opens the door of defeat. But when we realize that we are in the wrong, the first thing we ought to do in order to win our battles is to go before God and repent. Church, this morning, I came not to excite you. 
I came to call you to repentance. I want it to be well with you. And I'm looking for a time where everybody is doing so well that we say the office is open for counseling and nobody really comes except people, new people, or maybe people who, are, who just call from you know, outside the church. But in this house, the members of this house, I mean, you are sorted. I'm looking for that time. That's what I want. I want to see you. I want, I want to hear your testimonies. I want it to be well with you. Because if you ask those who are very close to me, especially my husband, you realize that whenever anything bad happens to any of you, I take it as a personal indictment on myself. Truly. I feel really bad. I feel like, ah, could I have done something? What did I do? I mean, I take it personal. Because I'm a shepherd. But I know that there's a way that we can live in the place of victory. But I must get you to align yourself with it. Are you, are you understanding me? So thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod is to spank and beat and whip. The staff is to guide. Today I brought out my rod. It's good. Last week I think it was a staff, eh? Which one was it last week? It was a staff. That's when you are jumping and say, hallelujah, preacher and apostle. Hey, that's when the staff is. But when the rod comes, everybody's like, I should have stayed at home. But it's, a, it's your rod and your staff, both together. That comforts me. So we must repent. Amen. So that we will not be the cause for our defeat. It's obedience in every area. I'll end on Galatians 5, 19 to 21. It talks about the different areas. It said, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. Fornication. These two are all age Adultery. Fornication. Try to explain what they are. Do you know? Okay. Uncleanliness. Lasciviousness. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Variance. Emulations. Wrath. Some angers are wrathful. Strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, agrobonidie, and such like, of which I tell you before. For the tree Bible is interesting. As I've also told you in time, but the day who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. God says we will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what, for, for what reason are we in, in church? And why do we say we are born again if not that we have a hope of an inheritance in God? Amen. If we, we say we, we are serving God, let's have it right. Either be either hot or cold. But don't be lukewarm. Jesus said, if you are lukewarm, he will spew you out of his mouth. So either you are hot or you are cold. And you know something? I found out that in life, it must come to a time, it must come to a day where you decide that I'm tired of sin. My, my bread. From now, I want to do it right. Decide. I want to do it because there is joy. There is pleasure in living right and doing right. There's a liberty in it. I want to talk about true liberty. True liberty is freedom from sin. Because if you are free from sin, you are free from all other things. But when we are snared, when we are caught in the web of the enemy, in deceit and in disobedience, He's just setting you up for a defeat. Like the chickens who are being fed before Christmas. 
and they are giving them corn, and they are giving them all nice things, and they are eating, 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 eating. They don't know that the farmer is just preparing them, fattening them up <laughs> for Christmas food, your love and chicken and all that. They are eating. I remember a time when somebody I know used to love crabs. And this person, I know, I won't say whether he or she. I don't want trouble. So love crabs. She'll buy the crabs and she'll be feeding them granuts, raw granuts and sugar cane. And she has them in this basket and he, sorry, he, she. <laughs> has them in this basket and he, she will be <laughs> the person will be feeding the, the, the crabs, granuts, Sugar cane, she will sprinkle water. <laughs> sprinkle water on them, freshen them, water, everything. The crabs will. What was the purpose? So that they will be really juicy and sweet for the time when she decides to steam them with some papochito. And he, she. Somebody said, Mercy for apostle. <laughs> So that the day when it's time for the steamed crab and hey, you have a fast you. Let me tell you about it. And some hot cake and pepper. The crabs will be delicious. The crabs were eaten. They didn't know that they were being prepared for a good meal. That is how Satan works on us. Little little things. The bait. Towards the bait you bite. Towards the bait you bite. Towards the bait you bite. It's a setup. Tell somebody it's a setup. Look at somebody if I say, I say, it's a setup. Whatever is happening is a setup. It's a setup for the greater fall. But then this one too is so that you have the victory in life. This word also is so that you win your battles in life. We are not leaving any door open. We, we want the thing to be total. We want it to be complete. So we know where we are going. We know what we are doing. How we will win the battles of life. This one too is part of it. May the Lord help us. May the Lord bless us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's word. Connect with us on our website, www.tlgm.org. Get interactive with Apostle on all social media platforms at Apostle Leanne Coffey.